From our local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered, and it's more than just the scores. From all the off-season moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even postseason glory, the DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite teams, players, and coaches. You can follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. As soon as the podcast is over, head to dallasnews.com sports to see what Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the DMN gang has for you there. We got two things, Mike. I got two things for you right off the top. One. More than one. You got two. You're in a swivel chair with armrests. Yeah. It's fancy. I'm in the kind of chair that, like, if you rent a picnic table for, like, a graduation party, mm-hmm. it, this is kind of the chair that comes with that. It's one It's one step up. It's on, like, if you're looking at the, the catalog, desk chair monthly, probably in the row below the just pop-out chair. Yeah, it doesn't fold. No folding. Even worse, it's very, very firm, and like the the back of the chair, up from the part where you rest your buttocks on, mm-hmm. instead of being straight up or even slightly tilted back, it's like it coming forward. forward. It it's feels posture. like I'm, it feels like I'm falling out of this chair. It's for posture, is what so it's. So we for. got a we got quite a discharity between us. There are one thousand chairs outside that door. You know. It's just a whole swivel thing. chair is not walking through that door. We got Bobby. some bar stool chairs as well, but I don't want to sit too high because the table's low. So anyway, I'm going to power through it. I just want to point this out. I'd like to thank Eric for his service and donating his chair to this podcast. Knowingly? Ah. Okay. He hasn't no. been here in like a year and yeah, a half. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's married now. He doesn't he doesn't come into oh, the office. Oh, congratulations. I know, right? Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Big deal. The other thing, Mike, is uh, we got a problem. So I'm Snakes. scrolling. I'm scrolling Twitter last almost. Oh, it's kind of actually. Okay. I'm scrolling on Twitter last night as I do. Man, you love Twitter. And I come across no, I don't. And I come across <laughs> a Jalen Brunson tweet that just says "All right" with an ellipsis. Saw that. And Seen now that. I have the account that he was quote tweeting muted, so I didn't know what he was talking about. I oh. had to go into the tweet and pull up the account. And uh, lo and behold, SportsCenter has a picture of Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal saying the vibes are immaculate and or immaculate vibes. I don't remember. And the reason that's a problem. The vibes are immaculate was the tweet, I believe. Okay. The reason that's a problem is because just the day before, or maybe two days before, I was scrolling Twitter as I do. Again. Again, two, two days in a row on Twitter, on scrolling on Twitter. the bird. Yep, on the bird, and I come across a Memphis Grizzlies tweet with a picture of FedEx Forum. Mm-hmm. It's a basketball arena. The vibes were immaculate last night, and here I am thinking, okay, how many mm-hmm. adjectives are there, mm-hmm. Mike? There's got to be hundreds, forty-five, hundreds at least. Okay. Forty-five is low. 100, 4,500. 145. Yeah. There are 145 adjectives, and we got two brand accounts tweeting the same adjective along with the same noun, vibes. Too and much. I'm like, what's going on? This is like when the parents got on Facebook, man. Like, the jig this is, is bad. up. This We're is bad. done. We, we cannot say. Now, Strictly I want to give credit where credit is due. 
This is Jalen Brunson and Josh Richardson's thing. This is not Dallas Mavs' thing. No. Now, we've abducted the phrase, as many other Mavs fans have. So, like, borrowed, abducted is weird. Okay, we've borrowed the phrase. Now, th- I, I, it's all, all is fair whenever you're rooting did, for the guys. Did they get it from something, though? Is it like a line in a Kid Cudi song or something? I was told on Twitter Searching last night, right someone now. said that it's something that a lot of 18 to 23-year-olds are saying right now, so maybe it is just a thing. But for the entire season, or really for the last like three months or so, Jalen oh. Brunson is the only NBA figure, personality, anything. Yeah. Jalen Brunson and Josh Richardson are the only two guys in the league that have been saying that, as far as I know. And now you know I spend a lot of time on Twitter, so I would know. You're on I have Twitter not seen a day. single other freaking checkmark tweet that until just now. And I got to say, man, I have never felt uh, – it's not even my phrase, and I still feel like I was robbed. It's just really, really corny. It's cheesy. It's cheap. It's, it's lazy. Lame. Yeah, it's just low-grade brand account management. And, like, look, I have a check mark. I know. I'm awesome. Um, I am what Twitter would describe as a notable user. But I got to say, man, Real the check marks. usage. Can, we, we find ways to let the average Twitter user down. And uh, it's just I'm really disappointed in the Grizzlies. And I'm very disappointed in SportsCenter hijacking a Mavs phrase, a Mavs player's phrase, mere months after mocking the Mavs for having a bad record because half their team had COVID. Like, SportsCenter... And using a photo of Luca from Real Madrid. Yeah, where he's crying. Like, ha-ha, look at this guy, he's crying. They suck. Look at this 17-year-old crying. Yeah, on another team. On a team he doesn't currently play for. Like, do better. Yeah, just be better. So, and, and now I have very low expectations for the SportsCenter account. No offense. Like, ESPN is awesome. Great a lot show. Of ESPN personalities are Great awesome. Great show. Great program. Grew up on it. Their Twitter account is it's awfully, it's awfully bleacher <laughs> reporty for me. And, and that's yeah. just, it's just. It's they saw what's popular and they were like, hey, let's feed the people some more cake. Yeah. Let's do what they do. It's uh, it's it's sticky to me because the, apparently this is a thing that predates Jalen and Josh's usage by a month or two. I think it's a Reddit thing, as I'm finding out, and it might be in relation to Dogface 420, the Capri Sun or uh, Ocean Pacific skateboard guy that was just vibing out, chugging Ocean Pacific to Stevie Nicks. Oh, okay. To okay. Dreams. Um, so That's a someone, great song. That is a great song. Everyone loves that song. Nothing wrong with it. Um, and so I think the first time it was used was in regards to that. But the first time it entered the sports realm was 100% Jalen Brunson and the great Jay Rich. So now it's canon. And now it, I guess people feel like it's fine to apply to any basketball team ever, which is wrong. That's where you're, you're overstepping. The line's here. You're over there, friend. Come back over here on this side. I did see the Grizzlies throw something about Immaculate Vibes up there, and I was like, uh, it's on site. It's on site. Like, you're lucky I don't quote tweet this right now and get my 6,000 angry followers on you. <laughs> um, and then the Sports Center one, I was like, okay, we've gone too far. Everybody turn back. Go back to the boat. We, uh, we messed this whole deal up because you're just applying it to any – Good time being had in basketball because you're you're doing lazy. You're being the lazies. And it's even worse because I'm sure if you go back one week, maybe even less, SportsCenter was sharing some picture making fun of Russ. 
making 100%. fun of Bradley Beal. Heck, yeah. probably when the Wizards lost to the Celtics by like 25 the other night, they probably were like, they probably posted some picture of Russ making a funny face. They're like, tense times in DC with here's a here's a irrelevant emoji. And uh, then two days later, there's the vibes in DC are immaculate, sunglasses emoji. And it's like, no, you can't, you can't do that. Can't they just make fun sides. of everything all the time. And then they're going to steal memes. They're going to steal phrases. And they're going to apply it to whatever sports thing is happening that day so that they can get 2,000 retweets. <laughs> that's, what, that's what credibility That's what it's worth. That's the that, currency. That's what it's worth, man. It's worth 2,000 retweets. Your own credibility, your own creativity. Um, no, I'm just going to steal something that someone else has said and popularized. And I'm going to use it for myself because uh, my 37.6 million followers depend on it so much that 2,000 of them retweeted it, probably <laughs> half of which yeah. are angry with you. That, that, you that hit rate is, is rather low, I would say. Yeah, so SportsCenter, my challenge for you the rest of the playoffs is to do better. Do better. Think of more unique stuff that no one else is saying, um, or at least that no one else has said within the last 24 hours. And I'm looking at you, Memphis Grizzlies. you got to mm. do better, too. Um, you have one more chance tonight to do better and you might not have another chance for about six months so i i'm challenging you to uh to step up and and be a little more creative and and that goes out to everyone on the internet man we got to stop stealing stuff be your own person make your own phrases coin your own terms like we're in a creative ben- industry mike you and me and, and other creators um showbiz yeah stop stealing stuff just be be better be the better. the tightrope that Sports Center now tries to walk on their Twitter of here's a stat that I paid an intern five hours to go look up for me, and so I'm gonna drop this in here because it's from Sports Stats Info Solutions man, and then also trying to be the meme meme account. That seems like hell. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's the why same you, Bleach Report. Thing. Why would anybody want to do that? Like that's just like such a headache. Um, it's a tough day overall for Jalen because I thought he should have been nominated for Sixth Man of the Year as well. Couldn't even be top three. Not even going to name the guys I think shouldn't be in there, but you can figure it out pretty quickly. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that was a, that's a tough day for our, our very good, close friend that we exchange text, more me, exchange text messages with on the regular. Um, but you definitely send like five or six for every one that he sends ratio is right? not good yeah it's not looking pretty whenever you get the if you get sports info data solutions on it they're not gonna the graph is not gonna be pretty but sometimes you just can't uh, control what people use your fake name for bobby you know at sports center is gonna listen to this podcast and as revenge they're gonna acquire a screenshot of your text conversations with jalen from sports info data solutions man <laughs> and they're gonna absolutely roast you <laughs> that's fine i deserve to be roasted whatever they're going to uh, steal my phrase and say it's a little too maculate out there right now for mm-hmm. machine sports. Let's uh let's just register trademark um immaculate vibes in any usage and just get it over with. Like, okay. Get cubes on this. Call your buddy. I like that. Get him get him on the horn and we're going to trademark register I don't know the difference between the TM or the R. I don't know. Uh but we're going to do one of them. I don't know which I don't know which is one it a product it has to be TM I don't know. I don't um know. if there's a patent involved I am just it's making things up. Definitely not patent cuz we're we're not inventing anything. I'm just making get Peter Patton to patent immaculate vibes only 
and let's go. Let's get Mavrello in here. Let's get Vera Matovic in here. This is the playoffs. Mm -hmm. We need all hands on deck if we're going to take care of business. Mm -hmm. And that, first and foremost, that involves... Straightening out the internet. Yes. Fixing the internet. But we, You and I just did that. Yeah, we fixed it. We just fixed it. So. Just try to be better. Whenever you're like, just going to steal something, post it. Pause. Take a second. Can I do better? If I put 10 more minutes into this, would it be better? Or do I just got to get this tweet off? But one whole revolution around the NBA sun and we're back here, Bobby. We made the it. The Clippers. We made it. The who who would have thought that uh, – who would have thought? I, I, I assumed we'd play the Clippers for a while. Yeah. It was looking like that for a long time. Just because I didn't want to. Yeah. Which now that I'm digging more into it, I'm like, I think I'm fine with it. Just because they did – the most interesting thing about this series to me, and yeah, I just started – Jumping into sports on your butt. <laughs> let's let's get that, let's bring it back to sports. Mike. <laughs> let's go. Uh, most interesting thing about this series is they kind of did their own little Seth for Josh Richardson experiment. They did, and saying, "Hey Montrez, thanks for your service as Six Man of the Year." Bye. And I don't know if that was their choice or if he just wanted to go across the road to the other locker room. And Lou Will the same, just saying. Peace, bud. I know you're like the greatest bench scorer that's ever lived, but we don't want to play that way anymore. Uh, and then just, you know, adding Nicholas Batum for free. And so they they went wholesale. We did, I'd like to cash in my two offensive tokens, please, for two defensive tokens, if we could do that at the casino cage. Um, and so, yes, they are the best three-point shooting team that has ever played a full NBA season. That's just facts. You can't run from that. Um, but also, I started thinking about what playoff basketball is about and how you win multiple playoff series in a row. And yeah, having a whole team of guys that can shoot 40% from three is pretty awesome. It's a cool trick. I would, would advise if you can do it. But also, playoff basketball gets pretty gritty, and it gets into single possessions, and you can have a night like, say, the first time we played them, where they shoot, like, 9% from three. Or the third game we played them this season, where Marcus Morris goes one of nine from three. And if your entire offense is built around a highly volatile stat, for the most part, and three-point shooting, you could just dump a game because, you know... One little degree on a couple shots were, was off. So, yeah, they're more potent. I think their their point differential is going to be ugly in a couple of games because they're just going to rain threes. But also, I think they're a little bit more vulnerable because they can't play multiple ways. Oh, they can, man. Defensively, Kawhi, they can play multiple ways. And Kawhi can, Kawhi can do anything. But they don't, I don't feel like they have like a pick and roll besides Zubats. Yeah, I mean, I guess like the when Kawhi comes out of the game – before they could just like dump Harrell in and they could dump Lou Will in and mm -hmm. they could, those guys could just do their thing. That was but a completely different offense. Like Yeah, whenever they were off the floor. And you could like bench both Kawhi and Paul George and still just be really good, offensively at least. 
But now, when those guys aren't in the game, I guess you stagger them to where one of them is always on the floor. But yeah, they basically just stagger them all the time. Yeah, and whenever whenever they're off, the, whenever one of them is off the floor, it's like what Rondo probably or Reggie Jackson. Yeah, not quite the same. I mean, you can play through Morris in the post, but I mean, it's a lot more. He's not a good passer. Their team now is a a lot more, a lot more like the Mavs now. Yeah. It's, they're, I think the Clippers are a better team than the Mavs. Uh, that's not breaking news. I well, think the Nuggets are a better team so. than the Mavs too. I mean, yeah. uh, just they, I mean they won more games and their stats are way better. Um, but the Clippers are much more like the Mavs in that they've surrounded Paul George and Kawhi Leonard with switchable guys on defense that can shoot the ball. Yep. And the that's it's a good very bet to good. Make. That's very good. But the flip side of that is. A lot of those guys are relatively limited offensive players. Like their most used lineups this year rule. They have two lineups that played mm-hmm. two hundred minutes. Both have Paul George and Kawhi. One of them has Pat Bev, Nick Batum, Serge Ibaka. Mm-hmm. That's five guys that can switch basically everything that are gonna rip your head off on defense. And they did. Their defensive rating this year in two hundred and sixty four minutes was one oh one point seven. One oh one point seven. They can switch all the time. All five of those guys. Maybe not Ibaka, but all five of those guys can at least annoy Luka, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's that's pretty hard to, to find in the NBA. Another lineup, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris Sr., and Ibiza Zubats. They're going to spread the floor, run, pick, and roll, and they're going to shoot 80% from three. And they scored 121.4 points per 100 possessions in 215 minutes. They were plus 18.8. That is just... That's crazy. Yeah. And so that's the, like, they have one lineup, and, and the other lineup can shoot too, like Pat Bev, Batum, Abaka. They can all shoot a little bit. But the Clippers' two modes are put five defenders on the floor and let Kawhi and Paul George play one on one at the other end, switch mm-hmm. everything. The other one is let's spread the floor out, put a big beast in the middle, and run spread, pick, and roll, and just shoot the crap out of the ball. And now, like, the the common thread between those two things is, like, so much goes through Kawhi, who is basically their point guard now, and Paul George, who's sort of a point guard, too. Like, those guys yeah. are running all the offense. You They're don't the want initiators. Paul George running point guard. That's something I found watching you, these if games. If you're the Mavs, then you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're the Mavs, hey, if Paul George gets the ball in the wing, I'm like, buddy, you're the man. Go do your thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, like, if you can uh, – it's kind of like the Mavs Spurs in 2014 where, like, if they're going to run this pick and roll, especially spread pick and roll, like, you have to turn the pick and roll into just a two-man game and hug the shooters. And if if they swing the ball, if Kawhi doesn't like what he sees and he swings it over to Morris or swings it to Pat Bev or gives it over to Nick Batum, like, you've, you've kind of won. Mm-hmm. Like, you run them off the line, you make them step into a 20 footer or you make them drive the lane and then you collapse and, and you just, you take care of business that way. Like you can't overreact to Kawhi or Paul George because they are so good at shooting, but very similar to the Mavs, like very similar to Seth Curry and, and to Tim Hardaway Jr. Really before this season and a lot of other guys, Dorian, Maxi, if you can prevent them from taking the, the wide open three, then mm-hmm. You're either forcing them into a shot they don't want to take, or you're running down the shot clock. And yeah. either way, you've won. You've won. Right. And so, in simpler terms, what they try to do with those two lineups is there's the five-out lineup, and then there's the make-your-defense-scramble lineup with Zubats, who, because, and I think it's largely because Serge isn't really interested in 
sticking with a pick and roll. Like the ones I watched of him setting screens. He's a popper. Yeah. He, he's a he, lot like KP. Yeah. Like whenever they do like some of their triangle concepts and it's Serge needs to dive at the basket. Like he doesn't even look back for the ball. He's just like, I'm just kind of here doing this to get to the next thing and like run out baseline weak side or something like that. But the five out thing with Kawhi, man, it's, it's going to be painful to watch because you just kind of have to let him run three different flare screens until he gets a matchup he wants and then prod and prod and push off with his left arm and bully a smaller defender to either a shot that he really, really likes or the elbow jumper, which is one of his patented shots as well. And what you can't let happen is Kawhi gets to the elbow and it's Tim on him or someone you don't like that one-on-one matchup and you just do what you naturally should do as a defender, run from the corner to come help. Because they are the probably the best corner three-point shooting team in the league as well. They're the best at everything. Yeah. And Marcus Morris knocks those shots down. Nicholas Batum knocks down corner threes. You just can't leave those guys open in the corner. That's something that the Spurs did back to Kawhi's first and second seasons was lead the league in corner threes. Because once that guy gets to the elbow, your only option is to help from the corner. You could try to help from somewhere else, but it's going to take you like two and a half seconds to get there. So you just have to let him shoot. You just have to let him do his thing. And maybe every once in a while, he gets sloppy with the ball handling. You get a turnover or he bullies someone too much and you take a charge. The majority of the time, it's him getting the two-point shot he wants, which in this formula of facing the greatest three-point shooting team of all time, doesn't feel like a win it's a win it's a win and you know it's it's not something you like to see happen (laughs) you don't like seeing a dude get to the spot he wants and making the shot he wants but you got to do that over seven games and just play the numbers and that's why last year it felt like Maxi was like just getting abused having to defend Kawhi for that many minutes of that of all those games of all six of them and it's it's painful to watch as a fan, but you just kind of have to let it happen. Same with Paul George. If he gets the ball along the perimeter, dude, I'm closing out as hard as you can close out. Make sure he doesn't shoot that three. After that, hey, bud, you kind of do whatever you want here. So think of, think of Kawhi as Luka. Where he's gonna, it's, that's he very he is Luka. Yeah, he's gonna cause a complete and utter collapse of your defense if you let him do what he wants. He is going to cut your throat. Think of Paul George's Jalen, where, okay, if Jalen gets a couple layups Tim, on us. I mean, very similar to Tim. Yeah. yeah, Tim. Tim, if Tim attacked the basket more. If Tim had more confidence to attack the basket on, like, a 10-dribble possession, that's pretty similar. Excellent shooters. Deadly shooters from the outside. But once they get inside the three-point line, you're like, man, something just doesn't quite click right. And Paul George will throw it off the window and let you go do it as he's, like, crashing into the stands and thinks he deserves a foul call, didn't get the foul call. His passing once he gets inside the perimeter, inside the three-point line, isn't very pretty, honestly. His assist-to-turnover ratio is pretty bad overall. Um, And another guy, as I mentioned, Marcus Morris Sr. is a really bad passer. Really bad passer. So, to me, those are the things you have to 
for a team that is just going to stagger these lineups and go, here's Paul George at you for five minutes, here's Kawhi Leonard at you for seven straight minutes, and we're going to run these two lineups, you got to focus on these little bitty tiny things that over a seven-game series you feel like you can win. And those are those tiny little things to me. There are some other players we'll hop into in a minute that I feel like we have advantages on, but um, who do you think they're going to start? Because the follow Clippers or the Mavs? Clippers. Well, well, I guess we can talk about both, but Follow had a different idea about who the Clippers would start than what we did yesterday when I heard him on the radio. Okay. Um, Clippers are starting one big. I think they start Zubats. Um, I think they start Kawhi, Paul George, Morris. Maybe Beverly, maybe Reggie Jackson, probably Beverly, um, and then bring Jackson off the bench because you don't want – if you're the Clippers, you don't want Luka to just hunt Jackson and switches. And that's what they did all series last year, and Luka scored a bajillion points. Yeah. Um, but Beverly uh, – Luka abused Beverly in game one before Beverly got hurt. Now Beverly was hurt, so maybe that mm-hmm. had something to do with it. But I could see that being the case. I could see them starting Ibaka, but – I don't know. I, th- I think you have to start Zubats because he's just been so good against the Mavs. My big concern, or not concern, I've said it now. I can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. <laughs> my, my my big concern is that the Mavs start two bigs, and one of KP and Dwight has to guard Marcus Morris, which means one of mm-hmm. KP or Dwight is going to have to switch off onto Kawhi, and I, that's just not it's not a fun thought to have in my brain. So I think eventually. Dallas is going to go KP at the five with either Jalen or Richardson alongside Luca Hardaway, Finney Smith. Interesting. And then if uh, once that happens, now that could happen game one. Mm-hmm. KP at the five could happen game one. Once, at, but as soon as that happens, whether it's game one, game two, game five, you can't start Zubats anymore. Right. And that's when Ibaka comes in the starting lineup because if if, if yeah. the Mavs go KP at the five, Zubats is toast. I think I think you have to do what you just said, put Doe at the four and roll a second ball handler out there. Because one of the advantages that I found watching these games, the three we played this season, is Willie gives Zubots fits. He he plays really well for some reason on Zubots' kind of slow prodding tank rolling through the lane. Willie's got really good hands, man. Yeah. Well Willie's got great hands and he gets he stops the ball and also can get back in like enough time to like do both where he's defending almost two people. Um, his speed offensively or getting around, like he'll just like run in a circle around Zubots and beat him to the spot that Zubots is trying to get back to defensively. And then go the other way too. Yeah. In transition, Gazelle in transition. Yeah. Willie is an advantage over Zubots for some reason. I'm not saying he's a better player overall or he's going to like, you know, have a better career or whatever. For some reason, that matchup right there causes Zubats real problems. Um, so if you can get to that, and obviously if Zubats is starting, then you're like kind of chasing his minutes whenever he comes back in with Willie, and you got to like really mess up your rotations. But uh, Follow thought they would start Reggie Jackson. And that's valid. I think he's – him and Pat Bev to me are – I don't know. Eight, I was looking at Pat Bev's numbers and trying to figure out where he's at this season, and eight of his last nine games, he's a negative. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't been a positive effect on the court whenever he's out there. But Reggie Jackson, 
He is shooting, you know, 40% or 39 or whatever. Dude, he's like 43.5%. Is he? Good three. God. Yeah. He's, doing, he's had the best shooting uh, season of his life from three. But also, he's just like extremely limited defensively. But he's also the only guy that creates early offense for them. Mm. Like, if you let Reggie Jackson get a rebound or get an outlet pass, that dude is in your paint by three seconds. And that is an advantage for them. So do you want Pat Bev out there cranking the intensity up in the first five minutes? And uh, what game was it where we turned the ball over like 10 straight times? <laughs> was that after the game winner, after the Luka game winner? Uh, game five, maybe. Well, I mean, right out of the gates in game one, the Clippers were up like 23 to yeah. four, remember? Yeah. But, and that's what Pat Bev can do. Yeah. And like, that's why I think they start him because at least in game one, because the whole thought process is, well, they got in the Mavs' head last year, mm-hmm. so let's do it again. Yeah. And and Beverly, Morris, you know, whatever, man. A lot of a lot of the internet discourse about Morris was pretty problematic last year. Frankly, yeah. it was not okay. Some of the things that people were saying about him. Um, he did take some cheap shots at Luca. That's like undebatable. But like, he's also a really good basketball player. Beverly is pretty good, but his his quality, his skill is getting in your head mm-hmm. and just being a pest. Yep. And if if he can make Luca mad in the first 3 minutes of a game, Luca will be mad for the next 45 minutes too, yep. which could be which it could go one of two ways. Yeah. Could work against the Clippers, but Reggie Jackson is not going to stop Luca in the first quarter. So I think Beverly starts the game, starts the second half, and then if the Clippers are winning, it's Rondo down the stretch. If the Clippers are losing, it's Reggie Jackson down the stretch because you'll mm. need the shooting. Yep. But they also, dude, they could go Kawhi, Paul George, Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, and Zubats or Ibaka, and just play really big yeah. and just say, score on us. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like they don't have to play any of those guys. And in the third, in the the third game of the series of the season, whenever the Mavs beat the Clippers by sixteen or whatever it was, mm-hmm. they benched Zubats. Like Zubats came out to start the second half, and then Ty Lue benched him and just put Batum out there, and they just played like. Morris at center basically for yep. the, the whole second half. Mm-hmm. So like they might not play any guards, they might not play any bigs. Yeah. Like they could they could literally go just five wings and just say, okay. That's the annoying thing about them, man, is there's so many iterations of good lineups they can roll out. Like the top two are incredible, right? But then you just start thinking of the chess pieces. Yeah, I think their guard rotation should be a little bit stronger if they, you know, are really trying to match up with like Nets, Lakers. Maybe that's why they wanted to play the Mavs and not the Blazers. Probably. Probably so. Um, but if you – I think you start Pat Bev because if you're going to get that cumulative pressure that we've talked about, it has to start from minute one because if you roll him out there and we've been targeting Reggie Jackson for the first five minutes of a game, that cat is out of the bag, right? It doesn't – it has to start from minute one. Like, I think you roll that lineup out there, you tell Pat Bev, like, just – Man, overplay every passing lane, play like a maniac, see if we can get those five turnovers in the first quarter. And if you put Reggie out there to start the game, like, I know what we're doing offensively. I'm going, whoever that guy's guarding, you're coming and setting this screen. He's guarding Tim. That's the only option. Yeah. You know. I'm like, you You have to come start, set this screen. We're starting this action every time down the court with whoever Reggie Jackson is guarding. Well, and Luka only plays the first five minutes of the game anyway. Mm-hmm. Now, the – It'll change a little bit in the playoffs. Guys play more minutes, but 
he's going to do the Dirk thing where he plays until the seven-minute mark, checks out until the three- or four-minute mark, and comes back in. Yeah. So Pat Bev can just go play with his pants on fire for five minutes and then sit down for the rest of the half. Mm-hmm. You can just go with Rondo or Reggie. Yeah. Or none. Yeah. So I, I like starting Pat Bev if I'm Ty Lue. Yeah. Yeah, until, you know, he has an overall negative effect for two games in a row or something, and the raw plus minus is just kind of like staring at you, going like, when this guy's on the court, he hadn't really been positive. But it's it's also playoffs. It's also completely different. It's also they weren't playing, playing for much their final ten games. Um, but now some of the numbers on Marcus Morris Sr. are insane. He, this year, and I didn't think of him as this kind of guy – throughout his career, like fine player, like awesome college player. Um, but he's become one of the best tough shot makers in the league. Like his uh, quantitative shot quality, like, okay, I shot it from here. I should make this 40% of the time. He's like top 20. I think he has like a plus 11 on his percentage that he adds to shots. So when someone's in his face and he makes so many shots where guys are just on him, whether it's threes or elbow, so – his passing and his ball movement is his negative, negative, negative. Like he has a one assist to turnover ratio, which means he turns it over as many times. You got to make him put it on the floor. Yeah, put it on the floor. Create. That's almost that's him and Paul George to me. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, it's easier said than done. With how wide open a five out offense is, you just can't cover all the all that space, and you can't do it into the second quarter, into the third quarter. Five minutes left in the game, your legs just don't move that way. So it's way easier said than done, but that has to be the goal is to close out as hard as you can on Paul George and Marcus Morris, make them put the ball on the deck, create their own shots, create passing uh, lanes and angles to get the ball out because neither of them are honestly that good at it. So here's a, here's a, a thing about Marcus Morris. He's what, 6'8"? Yeah, I think so. High release. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see this in the NBA – I think guys understand that, like, for example, let's say Tim is guarding Marcus Morris. He catches it in the corner. Tim closes out on him. Tim is like Mm 6'5". Players now are like, I'm taller than you. I'm just going to shoot it anyway, and you're not going to block it. It's like a matrix like there is no spoon. Like, it doesn't matter if you're in my face. I'm bigger than you. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't – so it's almost like – how do you close out on a guy on the wing equivalent of KP where you're at a four or five inch disadvantage in height? Because like players before were coached, if you're not open, swing the ball. Yeah. Now they're coached. Like if you can see the rim, shoot the ball, especially if you're in the corner. I think you just have to affect the pass that comes to him. So it takes him that half second more to collect the ball or step or to his left. Don't let him get the pass. Yeah, or just maybe just deny him the pass. Yeah, you just hug him. I mean, yeah. that's – once he touches the – once Morris specifically touches the ball, you're doomed because yeah. that guy is freaking awesome. Yeah. He's a very, very good shooter. And it's – it's to, to what you were talking about, about guys that are taller shooting over anyone that's smaller than them, they know it's, – it's kind of a simple thing to, know, to realize – my shot's being affected so much that it's clearly not going to go in. And guys can sell the foul on a three now, right? Like, I think Tim's one of the best. Like, you don't exist. Like, it's me in the rim right now. Like, this ball is going up. 
and it's going up if you're here, if you're not, if you're one foot from me, if you're six feet from me. Um, and guys that are that good at shooting and do it that much have a perfect feel for my, my shot and my body is being affected so much by this defender that I'm now going to land awkwardly or shift my arm and it's going to look like a foul. And so there's almost nothing to be gained from trying to block a three. There's like almost nothing positive that can happen. Dude, Morris shoots 52% on spot-ups. Like, not even – like, that's not his effective field goal percentage. That's his field goal percentage. His effective field goal percentage on spot-ups, 73.6%. God almighty. So here's the thing about the Clippers. They're the number one spot-up shooting team in the NBA by far. How far? So Synergy categorizes spot-ups as not just like catch and shoot. Like, if you catch it and are fouled, if you catch it and dribble it off your leg – if you step out of bounds, if you catch it, take one dribble, go to the basket and lay it in. Like it's more of like things you do as a spot up player. Mm -hmm. The Clippers are number one in the league. They score as a team 1.237 points per possession on spot up plays. And that constitutes almost 24% of their offense. Now the gap between LA and second place, Brooklyn is 0.117 points which is greater than the gap between Brooklyn and 23rd place San Antonio. So they're, they're 21 teams worth better than Brooklyn, who's second place. Like This season on wide open threes, 44.4%, Mike. This season on just, open they threes, just don't miss. 42%. They are automatic. Guys that are in the top 5% league-wide in spot-up points per possession for them. Marcus Morris, Luke Kennard, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Nick Batum. Serge Ibaka is like in the 80th percent. Reggie Jackson's like 96, 97%. Like, if you let them get a clean look, you are you might as well just start jogging back down yep. to the other end of the floor. Yep. They uh, affect the field goal percentage for corner threes. 70 from the left corner. Oh, my God. 69 from the right corner. Is that a, as a team? Yeah, team. Holy crap. Catch and shoot field goal attempts from the corner, so they shoot four, basically, basically four a game from each corner. Uh, catch and shoot effective field goal percentage, 69 from both corners. So they're just going to kill you. Wow. Um, and Yeah, you, you cannot let them shoot. Yeah, corner threes just can't be a thing. You, you maybe help from somewhere else. No, you can't help. <laughs> I you, mean. You, you cannot help. Yeah. You can't help. If it's Choir Paul George, you can't. Um, if it's, for some reason, Marcus Morris is in the middle – if Reggie Jackson, Pat Bev, somebody else, we can talk about it. You shouldn't get in a help situation on any of those guys, but dude, you have to you have to contain the pick and roll, and you got to stay home on shooters. I mean, it's a different era now than it was seven years ago. But Dallas pushed the Spurs to seven games as a massive underdog mm-hmm. by literally just saying, "All right, Tony and Tim, yeah, you guys want to score fifty apiece," mm-hmm. and it worked. Yeah, the, the the toughest thing is having a plan, like we talked about earlier, which is. I'm going to play mathematics at you and make Kawhi shoot. Kawhi shoots 55% from this elbow for the next seven games. Congratulations. On 25 you, FGA. You, like. you, you advance to the next round, but getting kicked in the head in game one and not going, okay, forget this, forget this. It's so tough. It's yeah. so tough, dude. Yeah. Um, so they, they shot north of 40% from three in 43 games this season. Oh, man. <laughs> Do you know how many times the Mavs shot north of 40% from three? I mean, like, maybe 15. 23, honestly. Wow. 23. Okay. 23. So you just get a feel Still for... Still just half as often, no big deal. Yeah. But also they had 20 games of 
south of 35%. So they will have games, and I don't know if it's... I think it's just three-point shooting, the the volatility of it. Two of them were against us. Game three here mm. in Dallas and that little mini back. Some of it is pure luck, dude. But, yeah. But some of it, too, is just defensive principles. Like, Dorian Finney-Smith is a good closeout defender. Yep. He gets out there, he's long, and he mm-hmm. moves his feet. So he's. But Dorian is going to be on Kawhi. Yeah. And that's why it's like, all right. So I, I posted this thing on Twitter yesterday. Uh, tell me how the Mavs beat the Clippers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were worried about Kawhi. A lot of people were like, Tim's got to go crazy. And all of those things are true. But then Skin said at like 3 a.m. last night, he said, like, how healthy is Maxi? Yeah. And Big that is kind of the – that's the great equalizer because mm-hmm. you can put Maxi on Zubots, switch Maxi onto Kawhi, switch Maxi onto Paul George without giving up too much. And that's how you contain it because mm-hmm. you, don't, you, don't you don't have to hedge, you don't have to show, you don't have to trap, you don't have to blitz, you don't have to do any of this crap off a of pick and roll. You can literally just switch. Yep. And the Clippers will switch every single screen, which bogs down your offense. Can the Mavs switch every screen too? If not, it's going to be tough. Without Maxi, I don't. I don't think so. You can try. You can go one big, yeah, and drop KP back and, and yeah. try and get over the screen, and that'll be tough. But like at least that again, that turns it into a two man, mm-hmm. two versus two, which is good. Yeah, I, I wonder if they are looking at. Exactly what you're talking about, going, okay, Dodo, you're at four. We're playing one traditional big in KP. Or if they're going to say, hey, we beat these guys by 50 and a half a game, and then we beat them pretty soundly the third time we played them this season, let's just run that back and see what happens. I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see. The good thing is, like, Rick isn't afraid to make a change. Mm-hmm. So if they go too big in game one and lose, they probably won't go too big again. Yeah. If they go one big in game one and lose, they probably won't go one big again. Yeah. So, like, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, game one is, like, if you're the road team, it's great to win game one, but, like, it doesn't really you, – you have to win one of the two games. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Winning game one would be sweet. But, like, you can, you can try stuff in game one and see if it works. Like, it's not a – if the Mavs lose game one by 75 points, it, it's mm-hmm. not – no yeah, one it doesn't mash your panic buttons or anything. Yeah, like, you're not supposed good. to win that game. Yeah. Um, and their offense, as as great as the numbers are, like, it's not that complicated. It's really not. It's just constant ball screens for Kawhi and Paul George until they get a matchup they like. Yeah, and I they, mean, it really, it really is. And then they prod. And they – it's – you know, I don't think Kawhi, like – waits until okay that defender's on me like let's get to the elbow and either make him foul me or kick it to the corner but it's just switch 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 got a matchup i like you know i'm gonna get the foul call some Kawhi leonard i'm good at that um or i'm just gonna knock down this jumper or if you help it's it's like a sequence of three decisions it's the mavs offense dude yeah it, it's the mavs offense yep they, how many times does luca pass cut come around a screen Take a double screen, run a stack screen. They literally, their whole offense for 20 seconds is designed to get Luka onto a guy that he wants to play against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't get a ton more complicated than that. There are different ways that they've kind of tie-looted up um, with some triangle concepts, but that's what it's going to be. Man, the, the series is going to be won or lost with Kawhi Leonard at the elbow in those fractions of seconds 
when he is bigger, stronger, faster, more skilled than the guy that's defending him, and what happens there. One good thing, Mike. <laughs> they're twenty seventh in transition. Yeah, offense. dude, they're slow. So three thumbs up. Yeah, Mavs. Their Mavs aren't trying to run. Not at, at all. all. You know, so this will be a half court. It it really is like. This series is basically the Mavs versus a slightly better version of the Mavs. Yeah, with but, one or two more veterans kind of sprinkled in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More veterans off the bench and more experience, which is good. Mm-hmm. But the Clippers don't have KP. They right. don't have a version of KP. Serge Ibaka is like a very, very, very offshoot rendition of KP. Yeah. Like... They don't have anybody to stop. KP was great in the first three games before he went out. And so, like, I know we just spent the last 30 minutes basically telling you, like, how good the Clippers are and how much the series is going to suck. They're really good. But, like, they don't have a KP plan. Yeah. No, they don't. Their best big against Dallas is Zubats. Mm -hmm. The second KP goes to five, Zubats cannot play. No. Otherwise, he's guarding Dorian, who's a 40% three-point shooter, and the Mavs will be like, we'll take that. Yeah. So it's got to be Ibaka. Abaka doesn't have the speed to keep up with KP anymore, man. I mean, Abaka's getting up there a little bit. Like, KP can put it on the floor against him. Mm-hmm. KP is going to have a series, a series and a half, even if he's playing four to a lesser degree. But then if he's playing four, he's guarded by Morris, pick and pop with Luka. Mm-hmm. It's either Morris, Kawhi, or Paul George closing out on him from 35 feet. That's a clean look at the rim. Like, it's all good. I think I think they know that, too, because the game's – that I watched the KP was involved in. I think it was just the second two. He didn't play the first, the 50-point right. game, right? Um, when he's standing at the top, they overplay that passing lane like the possession is over if he catches the ball. And they're probably right. One of the games he didn't play, he didn't shoot very well. The other one he played fine. Um, but the guys that are at the elbows or basically on weak side uh, in their defensive alignment, dude, they are sp- – sprinting to keep that ball from getting to KP. And then when he catches it in the post, they do something very simple, which is the baseline blitz, which, you know, I'm bodied, engaged right here. You got your elbow on my back. And then this other guy comes around baseline and tries to poke it out. And he didn't really have an answer for that. If this week and the last six days that they've had next door, if they didn't throw that at him 50 times a day, It'll be obvious. It'll be very obvious because he has to have an answer for, okay, we got the matchup I want. I'm on the block. Ball is coming here. Okay. Where'd, the de- where'd that defender go? Okay, ball needs to go over there. Ball's got to get out. And KP is a lot like – That's a tough coverage to – Oh, it yeah. It took Dirk five years to get used Dude, to Dude, it's, it's a pass that you basically have to whip it like around the basket to get to the other corner, right? Or just dribble out and then pass, which is what I would say, do. I'm like, man, I know you feel like you just won and, like, now it's time to eat. Like, I'm in my spot. I got Reggie Jackson on me. I'm on the block. One dribble out, put it above your head, sling it to the corner. Because he didn't have an answer for it in those games. And it is something that – and KP is a lot like Paul George and Marcus Morris in that when he gets the ball, the ball's going up, Right. His job is not to <laughs> create offense for others. It never has been in his career. He's so good at what he does. He's hyper-focused on putting the ball in the basket, which is awesome, which makes him one of the most unique players ever. They're going to put him in situations where he has to make the right decision with a pass, or at least a quick decision with a pass. 
because he had a lot of live ball turnovers just from baseline blitzes and people overplaying the passing lanes that were coming to him and like leaving their hand in there and like kind of getting it loose from him. He has to play strong. Has to play strong and quick with his decisions. The same could be said for Luka, too. Yeah. So in that game that the Mavs lost, he had seven turnovers. Mm-hmm. The Clippers are a lurk in the passing lanes team. Dude. And they are a... They never get called for it. Yeah, and they're a swipe at you as you go by. Whenever you catch it, that you got an elbow in your in the back of your ribs. Like, they are gonna, they're going to force the officials to make 35 yeah. foul calls a game, yep. and they don't want to do that, especially in the playoffs. So It's very much... Seattle Seahawks secondary of they're going to grab you every single play coming off the line and they have the reputation of being the greatest defenders so whatever they're doing is what the game is about mm-hmm. is what's accurate right they're the they're the north star of what however Kawhi plays defense is how defense is supposed to be played yep and the officials sometimes let that get there and he's doing the bit where he dives his face and elbow and shoulder into your arm and separates you from the basketball. And it's like, if that's not a foul, I don't know what is, yeah. but like, that's, that's like start a fight and pick up basketball maneuvers. Mm-hmm. And he's so strong and he's so balanced and just like always under control. But whenever he puts his weight into you, Jalen, Josh, Tim, anybody that can't match weight with him, you have to sell it like a foul. Mm. <laughs> like you just have to. I know that I know the the instinct is to that dude's strong. I gotta play strong. Right? Like if I'm going up against a 260-pound linebacker that is Kawhi, I gotta play strong. Like I'm gonna get knocked into the stands if I don't but you have to sell it at some point, man. But the problem is a lot of the times he does it, it's in traffic around five guys yeah. where the official will just say, well, he just lost the ball Yep. going yep. up. You know, I can't see it. They'll do the shrug thing. Yep. But it's like all of those little things, Pat Bev's trash talking and just like get, being two inches away from you, his sweat is getting all in your eyes. Kawhi's reaching, Paul George is reaching. They're all they're nudging and, and elbowing and forearming, and, and you got bruises up and down your spine and in your ribs. All of that stuff goes uncalled, but it adds up, right? Everything yeah. is just five to ten percent harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. The simple act of catching a pass is a little tougher. Throwing a pass, you better put some zip on the ball, otherwise it's going to get picked off. Like you just have to do everything just a little. You got to do everything just a little more, mm-hmm. just a little more. You got to try just a little harder. But the thing is, like all of that stuff about it's just pressure, right? It's building, yeah. building, building pressure, Cumulative building pressure. pressure. But like, if you just don't succumb to it, then it's it's just like gone. Yeah. Like they can swipe at the ball all you want, but like if I'm just strong with the ball. All he's doing is just swiping at the mm-hmm. ball. I'm gonna lay it in. Or if every time they overplay it and I get the ball in my hands and I just like do the swoop thing that KD does and like yeah. just start shooting, like they'll stop doing it. Yeah, I guarantee you, if you shoot three foul shots every time they overplay, because you catch it and you automatically start shooting, they yeah, will that was stop the game. Didn't Luca have like a Luca had like a four point play and a three that was waved mm-hmm. off that he got fouled on in that same game yeah. against the Clippers. Yeah, and like he's like Paul George ended up on the ground one time and on the on the kind of the the dagger, Luca goes like behind the back or whatever, and George almost fell down yeah. again. Like they they overplay you always. Yes, but like if you start seeing ghosts and if you start panicking and thinking, that's when they beat you. But if you just like, they're overplaying you. Overplaying is like mm-hmm. a sin in basketball. Oh yeah, hit them on the back door, cross mm-hmm. them over. Like don't let them get in your head, and then it's 
they're they're literally out of the picture yeah. at that point. If you're just tight with the ball and if you just like don't give in to all this extra nonsense. That's that is the deal that won't let you get to any of the strategy stuff we just talked about. If your ball movement is weak, if it's sloppy, if you're feeling them before they're even there, if everything's 10% tougher and getting the spots you want to, you don't even get into the stuff we talked about the previous 40 minutes. And that's that just has to be the tone. It has to. Otherwise, you're going to turn the ball over five times in the first quarter, and game's over. You can fight as hard as you want and you know, exert as much energy as you want, but it won't matter after that point. Um, and so the cumulative pressure, you can't let it build up. And for a team that, honestly, that's been my biggest concern throughout this season is I don't want to say they haven't gotten better at ball movement throughout the year because we were just really late in the year and I was still concerned and talking about bad ball movement. Yeah, a lot of guys were out. Yeah. Like, it really kind of peaked in February and March. Yeah. They, they found it. And there was good sequences in April, too. I mean, they, they got there for parts but it was never like a thing you just like put it in the envelope going in the drawer we're not worried about ball movement anymore mm. it would pop up in games when they would just wouldn't play play at an 11 out of 10 on ball movement or intensity or zipping the passes and so i think you go into this series and you know you're like bro bad pass lazy pass it's going the other way it's live ball turnover that's that's death uh, you have more than one or two of those in a game. Let's just go to the showers and change clothes and go home and just do the thing. Um, and a lot of that is on Luca, and a yeah. lot of that is on Brunson. Mm-hmm. The the chief one, and you know, Luca is an amazing player. I'm just I'm just saying this. Luca's biggest kind of weak spot against the Clippers is as he's driving, he wants to kick it to the weak side corner. Kawhi and Paul George sit on that pass yeah. all the time. And so if Luca's on the right side of the floor and you've got Dorian over on the left and he's going to try and swing it through the lane, like a lot of teams, the the guy defending Dorian will like basically – they're going to come down and, and, and you know, they're going to tag KP, tag Dwight Powell. Like they don't want to give up a layup, so they're going to leave the weak side corner open so Luca zips it over there. Clippers don't do that. Mm-hmm. They're going to sit in that lane and they're going to dare you to pass it and they're going to pounce on it as soon as you do. And Luca has had so many turnovers on that exact play in the last couple years against L.A. Uh, Brunson has had some, too. Josh Richardson has had some. Basically, any time that a guy's going at the basket, you might think the guy on the weak side is open, but he's not. Yeah. And so that's the, that is the big one because that's, like a, that's a momentum killer, too, because you think you have an open three. And that's also an automatic two points because you got a big man at the rim, you got the ball handler at the rim, and you got one guy in the corner, one guy in the other corner. So it's going to be like a four-on-one the other way. Yep. And you're going to go from an open three to a dunk. Yep. And that is, that's not cool. Yeah, so five-point five five swing. Yeah, that's the big one. That's yeah. the biggest one that Luca's got to avoid. But by the end of the series last year, he figured that out. And if he's mm. going to the rim, he's just like, I'm just going to lay it in because yeah. no one is here to stop me. No. Like, again, all of these ghosts are out at the three-point line. Yeah. I'm or just, or just kick it straight up back up to the center, right? Like straight up and down, top of the key. Yeah, but you can't leave your feet to do that because, yeah. again, they're lurking yeah. in that passing lane too. Leaving you, your you feet. Can't, is... You can't do any jump passes in right. the series. Well, you can't. You just can't. When you Yeah, zero jump passes because that takes velocity off the pass and gives them that extra second to go, okay, pass is coming. 
I'm going to, I'm going to get off my heels. I'm going to get on my toes. and I'm going to get in this lane. And KP being at the top of the key might change that geometry a little bit because what they were trying to get to last year a lot once Luca realized, okay, no one's really going to challenge me at the rim. I don't really need to whip this thing to the corner. It was either I'm just going to take it to the rim or I'm going to hit a couple crazy passes straight out to Maxi, who was at the top of the key, right? Um, so that's maybe a counter to that. I don't know. I'm going to need – I'm going to need Josh Richardson to handle the ball unlike Josh has handled the ball this season. Mm-hmm. That. that. He and Brunson and Burke that. have got to – they got to be ready for – Dude. And Tim, too, because, like, look, we just talked about how the Mavs want to get Jackson on Luka. They probably want to get Rondo on him, too. The small guys are going to be guarding the small guys. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be Richardson and Hardaway and Brunson and Burke running pick and roll with Luka, and they're the screeners, which means if they double Luka, the ball's coming to them, and they got to yep. be ready. Yeah. The decision has to be made before the ball gets there. Um, the, the only person I've seen on their team push the pace, you're talking about pace a minute ago, is is Reggie. He's the only person that can. Like, Rondo might try to with outlet passes and, like, whipping the thing 50 feet down the court. It's not consistent. Rondo is interesting on their team, though, because it is just a secondary passer. Like, it's a really weird role where he's not really asked to do anything except put the ball on the correct side of the court at times, whether that's whipping it over there or dribbling it back over to this side after Kawhi's <laughs> killed you for 10 seconds. Um, Rondo's involvement does worry me a little bit because great, just obviously a great decision maker knows you could drop him into any play, probably of any game. And he can tell you where the ball is supposed to be like that, like within a second. You can just look at it and go, okay, unbalanced. They're clearly scrambling over here. Like, ball needs to be here. How do I get that there? So it just gives you another really, really good decision maker who doesn't necessarily need to shoot, just helps get the ball where it it's goes. It's like anti-shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, that's all you need with Kawhi and Paul George on the court and the corner shooters they have. You just need the ball to be in the right spot. And that's the weird thing that Rondo has kind of morphed his game into is I'm just going to move the chess piece over here and – that's a better shot. I'm just going to read the box. There's eight guys in the box. We're not running this play. We're going to throw. So here we go. Um, so his involvement, I think we're going to have one game where I'm like, damn it. Like it's that guy, more than one, dude. That guy didn't have 15 assists or anything, but he made some great freaking passes that got them open threes. He was so good for the Lakers last year. It was really annoying. <laughs> it was just really annoying. Like, want to hate the guy? He's a brilliant basketball player. It's, yeah. it's really, really – it's so weird what happened in 2015. It took him like a year and a half to, to accept this, though, I think. Yeah, yeah no, there was – because he went to Sacramento. Maybe, maybe two Chicago. years. Yeah, it was, it was weird for him for a while. To kind of accept what, his, what he's supposed to be, which I think he found it, obviously, mm. which is just, man, I'm going to play really good defense. Um, he's not like what I he used to be. I wish that he would have been that player in yeah. Dallas. Yeah. That's what they needed. Oh, absolutely. Whenever you have – an offense that can be run by whenever you have an offensive engine fully built out that creates quality looks consistently having another guy in the court that just knows where the ball needs to go and can hover around the wing and isn't a terrible three-point shooter is so stinking valuable man yeah uh, we need we need one of those dudes we need one of those dudes this offseason mm-hmm. um 
because I think that would take it to the next level. I mean, the idealized version of Richardson is that yeah. because he can he can pass, he can dribble, he can run pick and roll, he can make entry passes. He knows like, all right, I need to get KP the ball. Okay, mm-hmm. no, unfavorable. I'm gonna drive. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it just is. I don't know. I mean, the the team is very Luka dependent. You know. Yep. And um, Kawhi handles the ball a lot, but whenever he passes the ball. He's not scrambling to get it back in the same way that Luca does. Luca will pass the ball and go to the ball, mm-hmm. whereas Kawhi will pass the ball and try and get in a better position. So it's just, I, I, it's just a, they're slightly different, but um, I mean yeah. the end result, they're trying to get to the same thing. Yeah, they're always trying to get to the same thing, and they might do it in somewhat different ways. Um, but how do you, how you feel about Batum on Luca? Because that that one. I don't know who the, I don't know what their plan is going to be against Luca besides switch throw switch and throw five different dudes at him throughout the game. Yeah, Marcus Morris is going to be in there in the second half too. They're going to press him full court every time. They'll they'll probably double him at blitz him every now and then catch him by surprise, but mm-hmm. Batum is interesting because like in theory he's really good against Luca because he's long and he's not slow or like he he is kind of slow, I guess yeah, he's not like super fast. He's at the same pace. Guys that are really fast think Luca's really fast yeah. and Luca just like yeah. walks past him or right. literally just walks by them. Yeah, you just overplay and he's like, okay. Cool. Yeah, and he's gone. Batum isn't Batum's not gonna yeah. overplay anything. They're at the same tempo. Yeah. Like, always. And and that seems dangerous, but it Luca scored forty two against them in the yeah. game where Batum guarded him the most. So yeah. like I'm not too worried about that. Yeah. But that was also just a regular season game. And then he seems like he has vengeance for Paul George for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he wants to like, destroy Paul George. Really is not a not nice to Paul George. Yeah, well, I, I got to say, and this happens all the time, but uh, in Luka's rookie year, they played Paul George. They played the Thunder on uh, the day before New Year's Eve and New Year's Eve. It was like a back-to-back in Dallas and then OKC. The game in Dallas, the Mavs just blew out the Thunder, and Luka humiliated Paul George on that one play, sent him to the ground, and Luka got a layup, mm-hmm. and I think Luka kind of let him know about it a little bit. Yeah. Next night, they go to OKC. George and Westbrook have like five steals apiece in the first quarter, and they are talking such mad S to Luca, yeah. to Dennis, to Wes Matthews, to Rick. Like they're just letting everybody have it. So yep. I think Paul George has a little something for Luca too. Yeah. But that's just manifested itself differently because basically since then, Paul George has been really bad against the Mavs. Yeah. So, you know, and hopefully that's the case. Dude, like. I know everyone's going to dunk on playoff P and all that crap, but like if he's good against Dallas, it's going to be really hard to mm-hmm. win a game, let alone the series. Dude, he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. Like one of the best three-point shooters we have in this league. When you can when you add up his size and how hot he can get, like there're going to be stretches where nothing is happening for them. They're going to have stretches when Kawhi's off the court and it's going to be whatever lineup you want to throw out there, and it's going to be really stagnant. And Paul George is going to bail them out of about three or four possessions, just knocking down silly threes. He's that good of a shooter. Yep. Um, and you got to hope that he's not. You got to hope yeah. that he reverts to the whole playoff P bit. Because yeah. if not, it's going to be really tough because you can guard Kawhi one on one, you can guard, guard Paul George one on one, but if they both got it going, it's really hard to. Bu- like to resist the urge mm-hmm. to want to double team one to take him out of the game. Yeah, like, it's, it's human instinct. Yeah. You just you just stop the bleeding. Someone stop the bleeding. Someone double right now. Like get the ball out of his hands. Like I don't want to see that guy make another shot. Yeah, if they both go for thirty five, yeah, that's seventy points. Yeah, 
you know, between two players. Yeah. Um, Mike, mm -hmm. an hour of we're doomed. <laughs> I want to I want to close this on like a more optimistic. Do you want Do you want my rules of how to win at basketball? Uh, yeah, Mike. How do Mike, Mike? How do the Mavs win at basketball? Score more than the other team. Um, but the better. Where are the rules? So here's here's my rules. Give me the pyramid of basketball excellence. Okay, it's kind of like a couple pyramids. So like making up a larger pyramid. Okay. So mm, okay. You know, like a like a triforce. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So here are my rules. If you're going to beat this team that is walking onto the court out-mathing you, I mean, they're, they're a point and a half better because they hit an, another three despite shooting three fewer. They shoot threes like 7% better than Dallas. Yeah. Almost like they're, they're so, yeah. so good. And their, okay. and their, you know, bailout play is not a Luka step back, which is a... I know it's fun. It's just a low percentage shot, right? Their bailout play is Kawhi or Paul George going at the basket. Yeah. Like, they never they never have bad possessions, which is so frustrating. The only person that kind of does is Paul George, Marcus Morris trying to pass the ball. And then if anybody else is trying to, like, create their own thing, it gets kind of funky. But they just don't – they stay inside this little – their lane. And we do these three to four things, and we're the best at it because we have two – generational wings okay real quick real quick mm -hmm. i i don't know why everyone is like not everyone i, I don't know why i keep saying everyone people are saying <laughs> i've read but there's this notion that like rick carlisle is just like an astronomically better coach than ty Lue. Mm. dude ty Lue's teams are always they're like the clippers are disciplined man dude they're very disciplined offensively and they and ty Lue's team i know he he's had lebron james mm -hmm. good player you might have heard of him it's a good thing to have. But they ran some good offense out there, too. Dude, like, Ty Lue can – I don't know why you think of him as just the guy that got crossed over by Allen Iverson. Like, he can coach and he can scheme and he can plot and do all this stuff. And he knows what his role is. Mm -hmm. Like, his role is to not overcoach that team because you have – you're the But deepest. they do play within themselves, yeah, too, and that's do. really important. Yeah. I mean, he's borrowed a lot of stuff that the Spurs used to do in creating corner threes. Like, that's – what the Spurs did with Kawhi forever. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how Kawhi got to be Kawhi. Is this formula that they run where, you know, create shots, flare screen, flare screen, flare screen, get the switch you want, create a three in the corner. Um, and for him to have them where they are, obviously they made the bet on the roster changes to get here. Um, to have the best three-point shooting team, they weren't this last year. Mm -hmm. They weren't this last year. And you can't all chalk that up to GM roster moves. A lot of it is Ty Lue's offense. And knowing where, number one, what you don't need to say, where you don't need to be, and letting the guys do their thing. But also, hey, let's get back to the discipline that we run because that made us the best three-point shooting team ever. Yeah, literally the only team ever with a higher three-point percentage than the Clippers was the Hornets in like 1997, the year that the three-point line was shortened. Mm -hmm. So this is the best real three-point shooting team ever. But anyway, rules no. to win. It's all good. And people, people clown. Put some respect on Ty Lue's name. People, people clown on the triangle offense because, you know, Phil Jackson tried to do it like the last half of his career with people that didn't really fit. He was just like, you're going to do this. Kawhi Leonard is the perfect triangle offense player. <laughs> like, the thing about the triangle offense is the primary ball handler needs to be able to pass really, really well. And 
and score at the elbows. Yeah, and Kawhi, dude, just go look at the second spectrum numbers when he passes to somebody. It's like all north of 61% EFG. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, He he is truly a a cyborg, dude. Yeah. He's he's unbelievable. He's a basketball killer robot. Like, that's what he does. Mm -hmm. And the triangle is awesome for him. And it creates open looks for them constantly. Uh, It'll be interesting. Well, uh, we'll get to that. So, whatever. Um, I was going to say it was going to be interesting to... I've only saw like breakdowns of it whenever Lou Will was on the team, <laughs> and Lou Will was like, "Yeah, I'm taking this, this straight to the basket. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see some of these triangle concepts whenever like Serge is in there and Beverly's in there or something like that, because um, those dudes don't wouldn't run it as well. But um, okay, rules, Mike's rules to winning this series. Okay, have fun, have a good everyone, have a good time. Okay, that's uh, important. I need. I need Maxi to play number one. Let's yes. just put that out there. Yes. Now he did. Now we're recording this on Friday. Game one is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Maxi did do some stuff with him in practice. Good. Rick is optimistic. Well, I wouldn't say optimistic. Rick is hopeful that he'll be able to do more. I don't know if they're I, they're already flying to L.A., so they might have a practice out there today. So mm-hmm. maybe he'll be able to participate more. But the, the they have a late practice today. Okay. The other good thing is there's two days in between game one and two. There's two mm-hmm. days in between game two and three. That's very good. Yeah. Because that means... Stay in the ice bath, every buddy. Every single day matters. Instead of it being game day game, it's game day day game. Mm-hmm. Let's say he can't go in game one, two extra days. Could be good for game two. So anyway, Maxi, I'm very I'm very hopeful. Yeah, he's he's got to be in there, man. Um, he's the closest thing we have to a Kawhi suppressant. Um, but here's the rules, okay? Is they're not that complicated. If you do this consistently throughout a game, do all of them, I think you have a really good chance that you're going to be a possession or two uh, up or down, or it's going to be a clutch game at this point. Um, but obviously, like I've said a million times already, doing this throughout seven games when maybe you do it perfect game one and you lose, you get kicked in the head because they shoot 45% from three, it's going to hurt. you got to um, stay with it. But they, they do have something. I think they have the anger from last year to like mm-hmm. – to stick they yeah. they got some fuel they know, you know they can get back in a series yeah with these guys even with Jalen out even with Dwight out even with KP out um so there's some confidence there but rule number one do not help on to Paul George no matter what no matter what he will give you the ball back or he might throw it off the window a couple times a game and that's more than enough of an advantage do not help on to Paul George don't let him shoot wide open threes. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if he catches the ball in the wing, don't bring a second defender over there, no matter how many dribbles he takes, no matter how into your grill he gets or in the paint. Okay? Can I give an addendum to that rule? Yeah. When he's snaking around screens, you better be careful if you're trailing because he's going to catch and fire that sucker, and if you foul him, that's yeah. three shots, and if you're far away from him, that's a, a basket. Yep. So you got to have some discipline chasing him around these little curls mm-hmm. and stuff that he does pin downs all that no crap because he is going to catch and he's going to he's going to make you look stupid yeah. jumps high on his shot high release like he just shoots out of weird platforms all the time and just nails it just yep it's in and you don't want to foul a three-point shooter no no so if you're chasing him around screens number one get there close enough where you can contest a shot if it does come up but 
After that, it's you. It's you and him. Yep. It's you and him. That's where Jay Rich is important, man. Yep. He, he can guard Paul George very well. Yeah. All right. Rule number two. Rule number two. Very similar rule. Different player. Do not help off onto Kawhi unless he's got you sealed on like a post. And if it's, say, Kawhi and Jalen on the, on the block and they're about to throw an entry pass to Kawhi, then I'm fine with a blitz, a baseline blitz, or a double down because at that point – to me, two free throws is better than him dunking on you, which is what's going to happen. Can I give an addendum to or that maybe, rule? Maybe, uh, maybe making the bucket and a shot. Yeah. Don't double-team Kawhi from one pass away because he is yep. way too good of a passer to fall for Excellent. that. you got to come from the baseline or from two or three passes away. Mm-hmm. you got to make him work for it. Yep. Absolutely. And he, he does such simple stuff to create little passing angles, especially on pick and roll with Zubots. Like he'll just like kind of like do a weird little crossover and kind of hop, skip, and like just drop it right over your head. These freaking giant spider web hands where you can just flip flip a ball like that, and Zubots is like bah, trying to rip the rim down. And you're gonna feel the temptation to tag Zubots. You want you want your your little guard to come out here and bump him, mm-hmm. but then you're leaving Reggie Jackson open for three. Can't do that either. Again, no. pick and roll is a two man game. If no. they want, if Zubots wants to score 95 points. Be my guest. Yep. Yep. So do not help off onto Kawhi unless, for some reason, he's about to catch the ball in the post against a smaller defender. If it's if it's Dorian or Maxi straight up, you don't help off no matter what. Yep. No matter what. But if they run, like, their four flare screens in a row and done their triangle, and then it ends up and it's Jalen on Kawhi in the post or, you know, whatever the bad matchup would be, okay, I'm fine. Don't don't come from one pass away. Don't be an idiot. Uh, and then whenever he's probing through the lane, you just have to let him make a million elbow jumpers. You just have to. Yep. There's no other choice. There's no – every other outcome is worse. Yeah, it is. It's, every, it's way worse. Every other outcome is worse. Because it's only going to end with a foul or a three-pointer yes. or both. Yeah. So mathematically, you just have to let it happen. There were times last year where I felt so bad for Maxi. Because it felt like he's just getting punched in the head and off arm and your chin and just getting abused. It's basically abuse. I'm confident that the NBA received a DVD uh, or a Dropbox file from the Mavs with plenty of film of that from last season. I would hope so. I would hope so. Um, I don't remember if he got called for it. Not a single one, dude. There was Game a play last year where he stuck an elbow into Michael Kidd Gilchrist's chest three times. Yeah. And Kidd Gilchrist got <laughs> called for the foul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was talking about this season. I don't think in game two or three that he ever got called for one. But I can go check. Um, okay. So we talked about where to help from. That was the next rule, right? Don't help from one pass away. Don't help from Marcus Morris in the corner. If you're on Marcus Morris and you're in the corner, bro, I'm just – I'm holding on to him right here. Yeah. I'm arms length away, holding on to him. Dude, Marcus Morris is like Peja. He's Ray Allen. Yep. You cannot let him see a sliver of daylight. Yep. Yep. And if you have to just make that pass that's coming to Marcus Morris a little bit off, make him recollect the basketball. Because if you let him catch in the pocket, go up, it's over. Counter to that is if you make him put the ball on the deck and become a passer, he's not good at that. Yep. 
He is very bad at that. Got to run him off the line. So there's almost its own like kind of little set rule for Marcus Morris. He shot better from three this season than from two. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, granted, he shot forty-seven point three percent from three, <laughs> but still, yeah, forty-seven point two percent on twos is not very good at all. That's so tough. you literally would rather him shoot a two than a three. Yep. Next one's very literally. Simple. <laughs> literally, next one's very simple. Zubots equals Willie. Okay, that could be tough. And, and if, if, besides the starters, okay, right. If we're talking about, and it's, this is down the line of what we were talking about, of Doe and KP is your bigs, quote unquote bigs. Zubots can't start in that instance. This is probably going to be like a game two through seven type thing, right? I'm interested to see how this thing develops. Game yeah. game one is going to be nothing will look like game one after game yeah. one is over. Yeah. So this we're talking about game four. Yeah. Zubats got eaten alive by Willie. And Willie's done it to a handful of really good bigs. It's just very, very fast for a dude his size. Extremely fast, extremely active. Dude, his lateral quickness, his quick jump ability... Uh, coming on the pick and roll, like it's just a different athlete uh, compared to Zubats, and he can—he did a really good job of somehow like keeping the ball from getting too far into the lane and checking Zubats like back and forth, back and forth. The stuff that KP struggles on in pick and roll defense, which is like step here, glide, step here, glide, step here, slide. Like Z- some reason, Willie was awesome. He was really good. That was like. One of the most impressive things of the game, of those two games, whenever Willie would come in and Zubats was in there. Um, so to me, that needs to become a thing. Addendum. <laughs> yeah. If Zubats is out there and Willie's out there, they're probably going to blitz Luca. So if you're Willie, better be ready to catch, make a mm-hmm. dribble and pass. Better be ready to catch, pivot, turn to the corner. Like yep. they have to be, because the Clippers aren't going to announce whenever they're going to double Luca. They're going right. to do it every now and then. Yep. And if if Willie's out there and Zubats is out there, I think they're blitzing Luca. So they got to be ready for that. Yeah. Uh, all right, next one. I don't know if this needs to be full court pressure. I put in here three quarter pressure. Three quarter court pressure on Reggie Jackson every minute he's in the game. Because where these little possessions, you're going to get these little paper cuts of ball just went out of the basket, defensive rebound to the Clippers, outlet to Reggie Jackson before Luca's even fully jogging back or anybody's head is turned around, Reggie Jackson's in the lane. And then that's that's I mean, that's what Reggie Jackson does. He makes two threes a game and he makes three twos. The three twos are all early offense. The two threes are ball rotation that swung around and he's like the third person to touch it and he makes it. If you let the little cheap points I mean these games are gonna be tight. I assume four of them Three or four of them are going to be extremely tight. And you're going to look back in the game and go, damn, man, we just gave up a layup to Reggie Jackson two times in this quarter. That's the difference of the game. Yep. So if it's, you know, Josh with the second unit, if it's Jalen with the second unit, if it's Trey out there, whoever's guarding Reggie Jackson, I would just almost deny him the outlet pass. Don't let him catch the outlet pass. Because he's going to get – he's so fast and he's so good at getting in the lane against the one-on-one defender. 
that dude, if he catches the outlet pass or gets the rebound, the defensive rebound, worst case scenario, dude, that's all he wants to do. That's his job. That's it's pretty clear what they wrote beginning a season role, like the thing they put in the locker room. Dude, it's just create early offense. He's which, he's like kind of Trey Burke ish yep. for them. Yep. Just go out there and run really fast. Yep. Yep. Dude, he's gonna get a shot off before there's 16 seconds gone, or when there's 16 seconds left in the shot clock, and it's going to be an easy two. He's going to do it a couple times a game. And if you aren't ready for that as the guy that's defending him in those minutes, I mean, that can swing a game. That can 100% swing a game. He made at least 40% of his threes in 15 of his final 19 games of the season, too. Good so God. you can't – I mean, you, you really – you have to pay a lot of attention to him. Yeah. And Marcus Morris. Yep. You can, you can clown on Reggie Jackson because he's not a great defender and the bang-bang play and all this stuff, but he's honestly one of those things, one of those players on a good team that does something super dirty that they need done that a lot of teams don't have, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't think the Nets have, like, a guy that will just take the rebound, push the ball no matter what. He's their Josh Green, yeah. only he can also shoot like Tim Hardaway. Yeah, but he's nine seasons in, right? And yeah. he's been and he the knows guy. all the tricks. Yeah, yeah, and he's bounced around. He's been to the guy in OKC for a year and then bounced to Detroit with a contract. And now he's nine years in and he realizes, all I need to do for this team to be awesome is push the pace as much as I can when I have the ball and knock down wide open threes. So that's, that's the next rule. Second rule is related to Reggie Jackson. When he's out there, you got to hunt Reggie Jackson defensively. They will. Whoever he's guarding, come they on. Will. Come that's, on with it. That's literally all they did. For come on with the screen. 30 minutes a game last year in the playoffs. And. Okay. You need to do the same for Pat Bev. Ooh. All right. I have a feeling, Michael, that when Pat Bev is out there, he's guarding Luka. Because the Clippers and, and Dwayne made Just this get point. it over with. <laughs> Dwayne made this point the other day on the Senior Old Boys podcast. Kawhi and Paul George don't want to guard Luca all game. Mm-mm. They don't want to. It's going to be Pat Bev. It's going to be Morris. It's going to be Reggie. It's going to be Rondo. It's going to be Batum. It'll be Kawhi and Paul George every now and then. But I hope there's a lot of Paul George. If Pat Bev is out there, he's guarding Luca, and you know what? Just yeah, I guess just get that over with. I just gave Mike the thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm great for the audio medium. Luka can post him up. Luka can take him off the bounce. Luka can go right past it. Luka does not care. He doesn't yeah. care. Pat Bev is going to unless foul him three Unless he times. gets under Luka's skin, which is possible. He's going to talk a lot of crap. So the Mavs got to yeah. be a little steeled. But they're, they're, after last year, they learned, they learned their lesson last year. Yeah. They let the Clippers get the best of them last year. I feel like he got – he wasn't like neutral evil last year. Like, he was just, like, neutral. Like, he would get in foul trouble, and then he would get distracted from trying to get in somebody's head and start talking to the ref Yeah, for 30 seconds. Um, so, I feel like, I don't know, if he doesn't get... But he has energy on the bench, too. Yeah. Him and Trez last year were Dude. Just, ta- just screaming nonsense. at the top of their lungs. Just nonsense. It's different because you're going to have a lot of fans. You won't even be able to hear the bench anymore. Right. But, like, yeah. Pat Bev, you always know when he's in the arena. Mm-hmm. Like, so just yeah, but it's all good, man. Embrace it. Yeah, no, for sure. If he brings the intensity, I mean, they played some of the most intense, like awesome basketball last year. That series was awesome. Mm-hmm. There were some games that ended up very lopsided, but uh, for the games that were competitive, they were awesome. They were very fun, very sharp. 
plays that you didn't see the previous 50 games. Mm-hmm. Passes you didn't see the previous 50 games. It was great. Dude, playoffs, really fun. playoffs are so much fun. Yeah. Like, and then to see that come out of Luka, like, I assumed it was going to be there. I assumed the guy gets into a playoff series and he goes blue steel, right? <laughs> and he did. Like, to see that, to see these dudes that you watch for 72 games be able to go, I'm going to crank this up a bit. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kill myself. Like, I'm going to play to exhaustion. I'm going to... I'm going to play until I can't anymore. And, you know, he hurt his ankle and that kind of swung things. But um, to see it happen for the first time for him was awesome. Um, And, again, they have the extra motivation of, like, game five, the Clippers were absolutely clowning the Mavs. And the Mavs, like, they finally get to the playoffs and they didn't even really get a – they didn't really get a fair chance. No, they They didn't. so hurt. KP got hurt. Luka's ankle was just destroyed. If they don't feel cheated by last season, I don't know how you couldn't. I don't know yeah. what team would. No Brunson. Yeah. No, no Maxi or no no Dwight. No Willie. Yeah. Maxi was in there. Boban was in there. Luca, Trey Burke, Dorian. That was your starting lineup. Dude, that was such a weird emotional time too. I remember the, are we gonna play the rest of these games night? Yeah, and the bubble and yeah. dude, just the whole thing and all. You, all you want is a fair shake at it. Yeah. You just want to work hard. And you want a fair shake at whatever you're doing. And they didn't get one. And not only did they not get one, but you got a bunch of, no offense, you got a bunch of front runners over there mm-hmm. that are just going to let you hear about how they're beating you yep. whenever, like, your your real players are better than a lot of them. Yep. So they they should, you know, I think they're going to have a little extra a little extra zest. A little juice. Yeah. A little juice. Uh, so that one's Hunt Reggie Jackson and Pat Bev. Okay. Defensively. All right. Next one, we talked about it, but it has to happen. Otherwise, these are the little margins that you lose on the on <laughs> on the margins. Um, huh. uh, much like the Reggie Jackson pushing the ball, you have to have a plan for when KP catches the ball and they bring a blitz. And it's not overall team plan; it's him. They're gonna blitz your baseline. They're going to test whether you can hold on to the basketball with your two hands when two guys are just knocking the crap out of it and clawing you and fouling you. And it just cannot be – it cannot look like it's the first time he's seen that when they inevitably run a post up for him because they got a good switch. Because if, if you won the possession and then you get to the point where you're supposed to get the reward for winning the possession and you turn the ball over, that is critical – mass failure it's a bummer now one way to combat that be decisive yep you get the ball ball's going up yeah go up because if you go if you spin baseline you go up that guy coming baseline is going to foul you like Mm. that's just how it's going to that's yeah or if you turn an up fake you're getting fouled or if you just turn and shoot yep you're scoring got to be quick got to be quick and go yeah Um, you got to do everything at this in this series you have to do everything hard you have to do everything quickly yep with intent. Yep. That's the move with purpose. Absolutely. That's my band director told us in high school. <laughs> and for KP, he's the number one guy to me in that instance. That from the two games, uh, that home 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 series, uh, where we played them twice in three nights or whatever, they seemed like they had a really good plan that affected him. Um, and so you've seen it. You know it's coming. He's probably next door. Yesterday, this entire week, running through that 
100 times a day. You catch it on the block, you get the mismatch you want. They're going to try and neutralize it. What do we do to counter, right? Um, so that's got to be. Just has to happen. That's one of the rules for me. How many rules you got, Mike? All I got are rules. Only got, <laughs> only got two more. Okay. Only got two more. Next one, not something you can do, do about on the court necessarily. It's just something you got to be mentally prepared for. Kawhi Leonard is going to get every call. Lots of them. Let it go. Let it go. You start getting frustrated. You start saying, I don't want this guy to get in the paint anymore. I don't want this guy at the elbow anymore. You act out of character. You act outside of scheme. You get undisciplined. Dude, he's going to push off with his offhand. He's probably not going to get called for it. He's going to scratch your hand off, the skin off your freaking hand when you're driving to the lane. He's going to throw his giant shoulder. Like, he's way more nimble and quick than his body frame should be allowed to be. He is a linebacker. That dude is so big and so strong. He's Devin White. Dude, he is a monster. And he's going to get every call. And however he plays defense is the way the defense is supposed to be played in the league. So the whole series is going to shape around that. If they call him for two fouls, let them call him for two fouls in the first quarter of game one. See Not going to happen. Not going to happen. <laughs> See what happens. He won't get more than three fouls in a game in the whole series. I believe it. I believe it. But he's going to. KP, though. KP will foul out of at least two games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's and there's going to be some possessions and some balls tipped out of bounds that either don't get reviewed or get reviewed, and you're just going to go, that was Kawhi. That was Kawhi. I, don't, I can't explain why that happened, but Kawhi Leonard was involved, and it happened. Let it go. Let it go. If you let it eat at you, you're going to get outside of scheme. You're going to play undisciplined. Then you're done. Then you're cooked. Um, last one is... We talked about it earlier, but they play so hard, so fast defensively in terms of getting in passing lanes. You got to punish them. You got to punish them. It's the defense that runs too fast to the sideline. You got to run the screen to get them off balance. You got to use their tenacity and aggressiveness in the passing lanes against them. You have to. And you got to be ready for it, too. Otherwise, you don't even get into any of the stuff we've talked about. Otherwise, it's over. The possession doesn't start. So you got to, when someone overplays a passing lane and they're on your shoulder, act like you're going up for a shot. When someone scrapes at you and they're over your back, you got to act like it's a foul. you got to whip the ball around, too. Like if two people close out on you because you're the open three-point shooter, the answer is not to step through and shoot that three. The answer is to ball movement, go. The ball's going to move faster than anything they can do. Um so you have to use their greatest strength defensively, which is their speed and their aggressiveness and playing the <laughs> – I just mispronounced aggressiveness for the first time in a while. Aggressive. Aggressive. Um, you got to use one of their greatest strengths against them. Wait, for the first time in a while, how often do you say that word? Aggressiveness? Yeah. Uh, is that like a daily thing for you? No, I just haven't straight up fell down the stairs on, aggr <laughs> on, a, on aggressiveness in a long time. All right, well, the onus is on you to get it right next time. <laughs> it really is. Uh, so – that's number one. You don't even get into any of this other stuff if you aren't ready for their speed and don't punish them for overplaying passing lanes. You got to play hard, man. You got to play hard. You got to play tough. I know that this is like ultimate sports talk here. Mm. Like you, you, you cannot play scared. You cannot play intimidated. You can't play. You can't think. You can't like. 
I don't know if I can make that. You gotta, you just gotta do it. <laughs> I mean, you literally, like, you can make this pass, Dorian. Like, yeah. Josh Richardson, you can, you can get by this guy. KP, you can shoot over Marcus Morris. Like, you, these guys are good. This is a good team. And this team has a lot of beliefs, uh, belief in itself and a lot of immaculate vibes, Sports Center. <laughs> like, I don't think that they're afraid. Last year, I was a little spooked. Yeah. I don't think that they're I don't think they're gonna be all like this year. Like they're they're ready to they're ready to fight these guys. Yeah, it's it's the mentality's a little weird to me because last year was like it just felt so raw. Like you're seven versus two, you're in a bubble. And also the Clippers blew the doors off the Mavs in the regular season. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Yeah, last year I just didn't know what to expect. You can go into something with like a really raw mentality of like I'm tired of living through a pandemic. I'm tired of being in this bubble. Um, but it also eliminates, it makes things, when you're in pain or bad things are happening to you, your world gets very small. Your world gets very, very small. And you just focus on what's in front of you, and sometimes that helps. So I don't know. I, I hope they're getting back to that place mentally where they're like, we can play with these guys. We can play with these guys without Dwight. We can play with these guys without Jalen. We can play with these guys having to start Boban. Like, F it. Like, it's just basketball. It's just basketball. It's just basketball. If I play harder than you for this next 48 minutes, like, you know what? Going to win. And you know what? Bullies don't like getting punched in the mouth either. They really don't. And Dallas did that a couple of times to them yeah. this year. Oh, no. yeah. Get game one against them this season. Smoke That's them, dude. embarrassing. No, Kawhi didn't play, but up 50 at half. I mean, goodness. there's no, like, lack of belief yeah. in the locker room. Yeah. And from the Clippers' side, the only question that they're going to be asked a month from now is, did you get past the Lakers? And if that's a no, I don't know if that team is the same team next year. I don't know if the Clippers exist as they're currently constructed. So there is a lot, a lot of immediate in-your-face pressure. And they ducked a team to avoid them in the standings, to avoid playing them sooner. Um, so, may or may not have hunted this one. Yeah, you be careful what you ask for. But like, they're definitely they definitely got like at least half an eye <laughs> on down the road. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, that's what their whole season's been building towards. Is we've got to be better than we got to finish. The Lakers lose round one and we get to round two, like, that's a win for them, I think. Like, you're going to be measured against the greatest team just because of proximity, because you share a locker room, because you walk across the same street. But also because they talk big and they oh, act yeah. big and the whole thing. I mean, like, uh, you know, some of their guys are gone from last year, but, like, mm. dude, I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're also trying to rebound from a pretty epic playoff collapse. Yeah. Know, blowing a bunch of fourth quarter leads, blowing a 3-1 lead. Like, they're they're – they're trying to get a, a, a what do you call it like a the the monkey off their back mm -hmm. too, but like you can't do that until you beat the team you play first. Yeah, and so if and if and and the Mavs have shown, man, they will annihilate you if you're like not sharp. Yeah, even despite yeah. all their flaws, despite everything that's going on this year, like all this, they will absolutely ruin you if you're not one hundred percent in the moment. Mm -hmm. You know. And uh, so there is a chance, like, if you're, 
you know, don't count the chickens before they hatch in the crossing the road with the <laughs> chicken and eggs. I think if you took basically since Feb one, uh, or maybe even January, like our win percentage is very similar to the Clippers. Yeah, it's since the since Feb since, four. Yeah, since since the, being, since the Sports Center tweet. That yeah, exactly. Lit the our, world on fire. Like we're the same kind of win percentage basketball team. They don't have Trez anymore. They just got one crazy guy. Can one crazy guy raise the temperature enough? They feel like they're way more of a... Last year it was like, okay, you got the robot and you got the wild dogs and you got... You're just talented. This year I'm like, I feel like they got one kind of guy that tries to raise the room temperature and the rest of the guys are like robots. Yeah, this is a much more like modern thinking man's basketball team. Yeah. Um, but they still have, you know, I mean, Kawhi is a physical player. Like, that kind of stuff raises the temperature, too. Yeah. You know, even though he is a cyborg, he's going to elbow you in the mouth and you're going to get called for it. Yeah. And, like, that type of stuff, it, it's going to leave you on edge. Kawhi is, like, not James Harden, but it's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Where, like, the longer he has the ball, you just start, like, it's like a Schrodinger's cat thing. Is that, yeah. the, is that their dog? Schrodinger's dog? You expect to hear a whistle. Yeah. Like yeah. he has the he you you expect a whistle to come and you're just mm-hmm. like ah, don't breathe on him, don't breathe on him and yep. it kind of takes the joy out of the whole thing. Yeah. I just don't know if the angst of last year is going to get quite to the level because Trez isn't there, right? Yeah. And Dude, even Jamichael Green was talking yeah. crap. It's like well, what are you doing? If you don't have Trez echoing everything Pat Bev says and then Marcus Morris echoing everything Trez says and then Jamichael Green like, it's just like the, the game of telephone is just, like, echoing constantly throughout their team. I don't know. If one guy is constantly yelling. Like, I don't know if that – I don't know if that raises the temperature. Like, Pat Bev is one of the greatest agitators of all time. But they just don't feel like uh, – I don't know. Don't It'll raise like, the temperature if you're scared and if you make mistakes. Yeah. If the, if the Mavs fall down 10-2 to two and they call an early timeout and Pat Bev is staring at Luka and screaming at the top of his lungs, you're going to feel it. Yeah. But if you go up eleven four, mm. go sit down. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Let's let's get some let's get some shooters in the game. Yeah. Know? So it's it is the same two teams. It is the same four best players: Kawhi, Paul George, KP, Luca. Um, I know KP missed most of that series, but it couldn't be more different to me around the rest of it. Yeah. Sitting at the same table, but. You're in a different house, basically. So we've built the Triforce of Truth. Yeah. We know how the Mavs can beat the Clippers, but I want you to tell me why the Mavs will beat the Clippers. So deep down within within my soul, like I said, I think the Clippers are a better team. Generally in the NBA, better teams win series. But I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas beats – dude, like – now that it's all set up and everything is in place, can I tell can I can I tell the truth to the public here? Of course. Three weeks ago, I was telling you that I would rather the Mavs play the Clippers than yep. the Nuggets. Like I just would. That's just I've been saying that all along, man. And it's it's not to say I think the Mavs will beat the Clippers or that I think the Mavs would lose to the Nuggets or whatever. But I would just rather them play the Clippers. I think it's a it's a more favorable matchup. Um, I think uh, X's and O's wise. I think it, it's going to bring out a fire in Luka that we haven't seen in a while. Dallas, down the stretch of the season, was basically in don't-get-hurt mode for like two weeks. And, you know, 
It's a little lackadaisical, a little, little slow, a little, you know, whatever. Get doors blown off by Memphis and, you know, almost lose to the Raptors and all this stuff. It's all good. But they, they avoided the plan. It's all good. But now it's like they're going to get up for the playoffs, but they're really going to get up for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. And I think that they – I think they can beat the Clippers. I think that they can out-scheme them. I think they can out-work them. I think they can out-trash-talk them. I think they're going to have a fire under their butts. And I think that Luka and KP are going to they're gonna get to work, man. I don't know if they're going to win, but that's why I think they'll win. Because, like – or that's – if I'm answering the question, my own question, why they'll win, they're going to be motivated. And this whole team, this whole team's – like the fans' complaints about them all year long is like they just don't get up for games sometimes. They're gonna get up for this series. Like it wouldn't surprise me if in game one the Clippers go on a twenty to nothing run like they did last year. It also wouldn't surprise me if the Mavs go on a twenty to nothing run because they're gonna have some fire and they've been sitting down for a week. They're getting healthy. They're getting back to one hundred percent. I think they're gonna be more motivated in this series than they've been all years than they've been really in the whole Luca era. And I'm really interested to see what that looks like. So win or lose, I'm really pumped to see a no Fs given Luca and Mavs kind of mood. So I'm hoping that we see that. That's kind of why I want to play the Clippers. But also, like again, I think the matchup is is semi favorable if you can take care of your uh, your Triforce over there. So um, that's why I think they'll win. I think they're dialing it up. They've been good against good teams all year. And uh, this will be no different. So that, that's, that's why the Mavs could win the series. The 50-point first-half lead game is not something you should dive into schematically and like try and figure out how that happened. But mentally, that was more than one W. That was kicking the living crap without mercy of the team – that tried to punk you a couple months earlier. That successfully punked you, frankly. Yes. Game five was disgusting. Yes. And if that's Portland, if that's Utah, and you get up by like 25, I don't know, maybe you chill a little bit. That was no chill mode. That was, I'm going to put this as hard and heavy on top of your head as I can right now because I hate you guys yeah. <laughs> yeah i want you to feel this for the next week <laughs> so that tells me a lot quite honestly it does it, it, looking into the numbers of that game and like the what happened and how poorly they shot and how well we shot from three pretty relevant but the emotional sting of getting up on a team that just bullied you a couple months earlier by 50 in the first half that tells me a lot. That tells me you have a little bit different response to this team than you do most teams. And then beating them the third game as well. Um, and Luca just looking like he was having the most fun of his life, knocking down those left-wing threes, just laughing at him like, why are you letting me do this again? Like, you, you, know, you know, you know, like you've been memed into outer space. Like, why are you letting me do this again? So that gives me a lot of confidence, honestly. Um, and then the schematic change of playing one big and making them react to you or starting one big and rolling Doe at it four, um, I think that puts them on the run. I think that sets a lot of things in line that fall back on Mike's rules to success 
business in the business world um that creates a lot of situations that are either neutral for us or slight slight positive um gets zubots out of the paint gets kp open shots gets zubot zubots off the court eventually gets it where you can match willie up with him just creates a lot of a lot of situations that i like um and especially if maxi's healthy um we're better than we were last year. They're probably neutral, maybe. I don't know. That that's. I think they're more cut out for the playoffs, but they're not. They haven't played well in a while. <clears throat> no, they haven't. And the three-point shooting thing is like tricky to me because before Golden State, it was this team is such a great shooting team. Get to the playoffs, you have two bad games. Bye, Rockets. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Thanks for shooting all the threes. See you later. And then Golden State did it, and you know that's history. Um, so I'm interested to see what the best three-point shooting team in basketball looks like in the playoffs and when the three-point shooting doesn't work for them. Because you can just flatline. They flatline twice against us. They just, we ain't got it tonight, not in the threes. Game's over. Um, so there are ways to win this series. There are multiple ways to win this series. And then... The final thing is always, man, whenever you're becoming a contender or you're climbing that mountain, any kind of ascension up in sports, athletics, trying to get to that next level, you got to get past a team like this at some point. Someone's got to go blue steel in a playoff series. And that Luca's done that at every challenge that has been set in front of him. He said, yes, I'm better than this thing. Let's go. And he's, I mean, he's done everything. He's done everything. Like, maybe he's not, like, a perfect player yet <laughs> in year three of his NBA career at 22 years old. But every challenge you put in front of him, he's overcome. That's the guy he is. That's what he does. Like, he's that dude. So, at some point, you got to get past a team like this. you got to get past the Spurs if you're Dirk. You know, so you got to get past the thunder. You got to get past right now. It's these guys. We could play them again next year in the playoffs. Probably will. Like probably will somehow. Um, But at some point, if you're ever going to get to that level of being considered one of the five best teams in the league or one of the five best players in the league, you got to get past a team like this. And why not now? And – the other guys have never been more confident in their lives than they are right now. Like Dorian Finney-Smith just had the best two months of his career. Mm-hmm. A year ago today, not that player. No. no. Jalen Brunson just had – now he was – Jalen did not have a very fun April. I'm not going to lie. But he was incredible the last few weeks. Yeah. Same for Tim. Mm-hmm. Tim had a – terrible april and then was like one of the best players in the nba yeah for like the, the last should month be or nominated so. for six man of the year yeah now he's started a lot started, which i think hurts starting, but yeah. like dude he averaged like 28 a game for the last like yeah. month basically yeah dude was incredible yeah those three guys are riding high dwight powell started the year recovering from achilles got benched mm-hmm. and then got called upon had a career high against the lakers on national tv and has been awesome yep. really uh Willie, great at the beginning of the year, fell out of the rotation. He's been playing really well. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Everybody on the team. Now, the only guys that are kind of like stagnant or maybe trending in the wrong direction, Josh Richardson, mm-hmm. he got out of the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how he's taken that or whatever. I he, think he should take it as I can make a lot of money in these playoffs. I think so too. I think he's facing that. I think he's going to embrace the challenge because if nothing else, if he goes out and plays 20 minutes a, a, a game of just balls to the wall defense against some of the best wings in the of this generation, like dude, you become that guy. You yeah. become Michael Petrus, the LeBron stopper. Yeah. Right? You have a crazy series against Paul George and Paul George has two games in which he scores 11 points. That's the narrative. Yep. It's what Josh Richardson did to Paul George. Yeah, he wrecks Paul George. He wrecks Kawhi. He wrecks whoever. Like, he, And he can do that. Yeah. Richardson can do that. I think by the end of the series, he's going to be playing more minutes. Yeah. Because he's really important. But that's one. And then the other guy is KP. Like, he was hurt a lot. Okay. Who knows how he's feeling about the offense and everything. If you watch the interview that he gave yesterday, dude looks like he just got back from a vacation in Ibiza. <laughs> he Refreshed. looks like he's so happy. Yeah, and that is that should be very scary if you're a, if you're a Clippers fan. Mm-hmm. And then the other one I guess is Luca. Like last couple of weeks for him, not that great. Right. I'm not worried about that at all. No. But like you had last year, basically the entire supporting cast, especially once so many guys got hurt. Like Dorian is thrust into a playoff series against Kawhi. You're like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about that anymore, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, Dorian Finney-Smith is going to have a 20-point game in the series. Yep. Like, I dare them to put Zubots on Dorian. Yeah. Like, and Dorian probably dares them, too. Dude, Dorian went on Jim Rome yesterday and was like, if they hunted us, yeah, we hunted them. Yeah. Like, let's go. Yeah. Like, these guys aren't afraid. That's yep. a, that's another thing, too. It's not just Luka. It's not just KP. It's Dorian. It's Dwight. It's Like, it's, it's Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson didn't even get to play in the playoffs last year. Like, another guy that could make some money, Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, these guys are ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, this is their moment, man. This is their moment. They could – why can't we do what Denver did last year? Yeah. Why can't – I mean, like are, the are blueprint's the, there. The Mavs are better than the Nuggets were last year. The, this yep. year's Mavs are a better team than last year's Nuggets. Yeah. And the Nuggets went to the conference finals. Yeah. They beat the Clippers. Yeah. So, like, why not us? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Playoff basketball is unlike anything else. Like, just the angles, the visuals, the things that happen in playoff basketball. I mean, bang, bang from last year. After watching that dude throw so many weird last-second attempts at the basket, and I'm like, stop it. And then he knocks down the one that matters the most. The biggest stage possible. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just so fun, man. The speed of the game, the intensity, the like the passes that happen that people even try are just insane. Like the only thing that like bums me out about the Clippers series is robot Kawhi, right? That gets so frustrating after a while. But the book the book on the Mavs for a long time was Hey, just let Dorian and Maxi shoot. I think we have answers to that now. Both of them career highs. Yeah, exactly. After setting a career high last year, <laughs> right. by the way. Right. They're raising the bar. Right. Beyond mountains, there are mountains. Yeah. So that was the book. That was the book. Of Let Luca do whatever he wants and make Dorian and Maxi beat you. We have more guys in that equation now. Like Jalen is career year for Jalen. Tim Hardaway Jr. will drop 40 on your head 
if you let him touch the ball that often. On like 16 shots. <laughs> yes. He will annihilate you. Yes. I love, I love where Tim has gone, like honestly. It's really fun to watch that dude catch fire because that's something that, I don't know. I feel like he was the perception of Tim Hardaway when he came here after max contract with the Hawks, matched by Knicks or whatever, and just kind of no one really thought he was worth his paper. And just there's such a weird thing that happens in sports fandom whenever you become a max contract guy where people think you have to be everything to everyone all the time. And to watch him say, yeah, I'll come off the bench. I'll start. Whatever you need. Whatever you need. Um, And just watch that dude turn into, yeah, I'm going to drop 30 on your head tonight. And no one was was really planning on that. Some guys are off. I got you. I got you. It was a nuclear bomb for yeah. like three weeks straight. He really was. Could dude. not miss. He was incredible. So I needed to get, need, need him to get to that place. Need him to get to that special place again. And I would really like our chances. That's just something that you can't do nothing about a dude that's just on fire. The Clippers don't have, just like they don't have a KP, they don't have a Tim. Like no. no. Morris could give you 20 points. He could. But it's not the same as Tim's 20 no. It's a lot of relying on other guys. Needs it set up for him. They don't have anybody that can go for 30. Yeah. I mean, outside of the big two. Mm-hmm. No, Mavs have three of those guys that can go for 30, and they got Brunson can go for 20. Mm-hmm. Got Dorian can go for 20 on open shots. Maxi scored 20 on open shots. Like, these Dallas has guys that can explode. Yep. And and that is a that's a dangerous thing in a series, Mike. Absolutely. That's a dangerous thing. All right, anything else to say? This was a mi- an hour 52. You guys are welcome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> any any other uh, closing, th- any other Twitter accounts we need to dunk on before we get out of here? <laughs> no, no. I was going to, I didn't know we were going to go this long or I would have suggested uh, playoff predictions, but who cares about our playoff predictions? We cover one team. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't there matter. Will be, there will be more. It doesn't matter. I think this is going to be awesome. Like, there's going to be a team that makes the Western Conference Finals or Eastern Conference Finals or maybe one in each that – no one expected. Hello, Miami Heat. Hello, Denver Nuggets from last year. Hello, Dallas Mavs. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Why, why not us? Yeah, dude. Anything is possible, man. To to put a bow on it, I know, <laughs> I am one of you. I am Maverick fan. I know how much we need confidence by consistency and winning games against teams that you are perceived either by us or by Vegas or by power rankings aren't up to our paper. I know how it feels to lose three games of the Kings. I know how fragile our expectation mixed with our lack of long-term confidence is. Dude, we've had 30-minute conversations in the basement of a parking garage. Oh, my gosh. I'm not yeah. afraid to admit it. Yeah. This year was tough, dude. It, it was yeah. tough. Mental fragility over the last 15 months has been at a premium. It just has. And so whenever you watch a team and you – want them to take that next step and do the Dirk thing. We live in a different time where we would have, y'all, us, would have eaten Dirk alive year three. Oh, my God. Like, we would not have had the patience for it. Um, but everything now is quicker. Expectations are sooner. I need it now. I don't need it five minutes from now. Uh, I want something. It's here. It's delivered to me. It's online. It's there. I go. I get it. 
that's just life. So year three, you want Luca to be a top five, to be running a top five team in basketball. Okay, well, he's running a top eight team. Is that okay? Is that all right? Is that all right with everyone? You want home court? Well, they finished like three games behind home court. Right. They got fifth. Right. We're right where I think I predicted. I think I said fifth seed. Uh, yeah, four or five. yeah well, I just said top six is what they need. Yeah. And they are. Barely, but they yeah. are. Yeah. We have the eighth re- best record in all of basketball with all the super teams that are getting aligned. Had the worst uh, COVID impact of any team that played this season um and you finish as the fifth seed and now you got a shot now you got a real shot against the clippers to change everyone's perspective and make the the battered and abused mavs fan who hasn't had the had the fun for six years or whatever um of playoff basketball um it's it's here now we're gonna have home Playoff games, the American Airlines Center. Thousands of people, dude. Dude, yes, many thousands of people, screaming, going crazy, freaking out, gasping every time Luca shoots the ball, does a step back three. Even the 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 playoff dread when the other team gets an open three. Yeah, it's like exhilarating. Yeah, it's like ah, yeah. There's no. nothing like that. It's yeah. just everything is just so much better in the playoffs. Yeah, it is the. The oxygen leaves the room for about one second. And then you see the line of the shot. Is it going okay? I feel like that's off. Oh, it's off. Uh, they get the rebound. Yes, they yeah. get the rebound. Let's go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I don't know what everyone's expectations were if we took a poll of what they thought we would end up this season. You know, I don't know if they said fifth seed. I don't know if they would have said fourth, third. I don't know why you would think that. But – to finish the season the way they did after being affected by COVID <laughs> on a level that no other team had and finishes the fifth seed is remarkable. Enjoy it while it's here. We're not that far removed from where's our pick in the lottery. We are not that far removed. You are the same people that just endured that. It was only two years ago. Two years ago. My first year here. There was not much hope. No. No. It was like, let's see what Luca is. Maybe there's something there. Maybe he's a good offensive player and a positive overall. And then, oh, we found out pretty quickly he's one of the best offensive engines in basketball, right? We're not that far removed from that. So just enjoy the climb while it's happening for once, for once in your life. Once in your life. Just enjoy it while it's happening. Enjoy the wins that we're going to get in this playoff series. Enjoy advancing if we do. Um, Be bummed if we don't. Yes. But, like, 15 teams are going to be really, really mad. Yeah. And half of them are going to be really mad in two weeks. Yep. So, like, winning a championship is hard. It's really, 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 really hard. But you can't do it if you're not here. They got step one out of the way, you know. Yep. Now it's just, you gotta you just gotta get tougher, and there's no better way to get tougher than by playing the best freaking player, maybe in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. This ain't this ain't for the faint of heart, and it's not gonna happen immediately. But I mean, look at the teams that finished above us; like their best player is not 22 years old. So it only gets Dude, better. You want to be a Utah fan? 
Yeah. The last few years they've had. Yeah. Yeah, think about that. They've had to lose to James Harden like twice. Yeah, think about that. Think about that. We are extremely lucky uh, and just enjoy the climb while, while it's happening, please. Um, Bobby and I will be doing post-game of game one. Yep. Saturday afternoon. Uh, win or loss or whatever happens during the game, we'll be here for you. Uh, and then Bobby will be here the rest of the series, rest of the playoffs, doing post-game podcast for you. Might be 30 minutes, might be 20 minutes, who knows. Uh, but we're going to talk about it. I also might be streaming on the old Twitch after every win, Ooh, too, Mike. Wow. Hopefully at least 16 times. Yeah, he got 16 Twitch shows coming at you. Yep. But uh, after game one, I will be uh, home with child. So y'all have a great time. <laughs> Sounds lame, bro. I get to watch all the games and enjoy them for once. Well, and that's not worry cool. About, that's and not cool. worry about what's going on. You got baby puking yeah. and pooping on you yeah wait till the commercial breaks exactly i get to watch all the rest of the playoffs after game one from home not working which is kind of awesome honestly you planned it out perfectly i did i did you timed son it. of a <laughs> timed it pretty perfectly so uh let's just let's just play for forever i don't gotta work them so yeah <laughs> yeah all right man that was fun it was fun let's play some basketball mike starts tomorrow 3 30 Let's uh, let's have a an, uh, uh, what? When does it end? July. Let's have a good month and a half. Let's have a good six weeks. Yeah. Let's win some sports. Let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. If we play long enough, I'll bring my kid to the arena. So. <laughs> all right, the three-year-old, <laughs> yeah. three-year-old young, young person. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll see you later.